all gas, no brake. We're going to be a special team, baby. We're going for the Super Bowl. Yes, sir. Let's go, man! Hello and welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Jets Way Podcast. Tonight, it's just Jake and Sean. Lorenzo will be joining us again next week as we continue our fan series. And this week, we would like to welcome on Christian from the Jets Report. And we're very happy to have him here tonight with us. Christian, Jake and Sean, how are you? Thanks for having me, guys. It's a pleasure. Uh, I'm a big Jets fan. I, I have my own Jets YouTube and Jets Twitter. You can find me at the Jets Report. And, you know, I just love talking Jets football. All right. So Christian, what's on your mind? When we do these things, it's whatever the people want to hear and whatever who we have on wants to talk about. So what's on your mind today, man? You know, there, there's a lot to talk about uh, as the offseason holds a lot of excitement. But I thought maybe we start with some more recent news coming out of the Jets. Maybe to talk about the left tackle battle that Robert Sala brought up recently today between George Fant and Mekhi Becton. Yeah. Well, what do you think about it? You know, I, I actually like the move by uh, Robert Sala. Uh, obviously, the season's not going to start until like seven months. We got a long way before training camp and all that. So, you know, just laying a fire under Mekhi Becton, telling him nothing's going to be handed to him. George Fant is coming off a career year. He was probably our best, easily our best offensive lineman, I would say. And, you know, I, I think it's going to be good competition heading into training camp. And we're really going to see the competitive spirit of Mekhi Becton, see how badly he really wants it. I definitely agree. And, uh, Thanks for coming on, bro. It's always good to have a new perspective on the pod. But I definitely agree, man. Fan, he really earned his keep last year. He he showed like it's not easy to do to step in a left tackle and, and play at the level that he played at. So I think it, it is his to lose. So what are we doing there exactly? Are we keeping Mackay Becton? I, I, I got to be honest with you guys. It kind of sounds like Mackay Becton is no sh- safe bet to be back on the Jets. You have the fourth overall pick, the tenth overall pick. Joe Douglas is a big offensive line guy. It just has not gone Mekhi Becton's way with the new coaching staff. So what are we doing here? Tony Pauline came out and reported that the Jets are actively trying to sign George Fan to a contract extension and told him that, hey, it's your job to lose. And it doesn't seem like this new coaching staff has much of a loyalty towards Mekhi Becton. I find that very interesting because we've heard nothing but negative things about Mekhi Becton since the new staff took over. You heard he was out of shape last offseason, wasn't performing and then gets the injury. It was a freak injury. Can't really call him injury prone, even though he was hurt his rookie year. But it was supposed to be a four- to eight-week injury. He's out the entire season because he wasn't in shape, apparently. So what are we doing there? Are we? What's our overall plan at left tackle? You know, there's a lot of things to think about and to really like take a perspective from this. Obviously, Robert Sala has no ties to Mekhi Becton. He wasn't the coach when Mekhi Becton was drafted. And George Fant, he's, he's Joe Douglas's first free agent signing. I mean, Joe Douglas saw a lot of potential in him, and it's really paid off. So I really do not know. I would love, obviously, in a perfect world, Mekhi Becton steps up. He's the young franchise left tackle, showed great uh, signs his rookie season. Hopefully, he just rises to the occasion and we don't really have any problems. And George Fant can play right tackle. He's been a swing tackle before. But if Mekhi Becton shows up to camp out of shape and he's not ready, I don't, I don't want to hand him the starting job just because he's the young rookie. I mean, I want to play the best player at left tackle. 
Fair. Yeah, it's definitely fair, and it's time for Makai to see if he can play right tackle too. I'm not going to lie to you guys. The way I feel about this now, I know I'm probably going to get slaughtered by people, but if you're the Jets, man, you have the luxury to cut your losses right now. You have the fourth pick, the tenth pick. You have George Fant on the roster. You even have Morgan Moses, who you can bring back on the cheap. There's no reason why we can't even think about trading Makai Becton. If a team wants to come at you with a first-round pick, and let's just say – now, picking fourth changes things. If they're picking in the 20s and even the teens, chances are you probably can't find a player that is the prospect that Makai Becton is. So it kind of changes the perspective a little bit. But sitting at four, you have your choice potentially at anybody. Assume Jacksonville, we don't know what they're going to do at number one. All accounts is they will take an offensive lineman, but they could definitely take a pass rusher. I don't think that's off the table by any stretch of the imagination. So let's just say that the first three picks are, let's just brainstorm, uh, Thibodeau, Hutchinson, and then Kyle Hamilton at three. You have your pick at offensive tackle. Why can't we take an offensive tackle at four, get a wide receiver at 10 or a corner at 10, and then a team that's in, let's just say, like the 20s, late teens, even mid-20s, wants Makai Becton and wants to take a chance on talent and offers us a first-round pick where we could potentially get another offensive line, potentially Tyler Linderbaum, favorite of mine, or we could maybe Sauce Gardner's available, fills a need at corner. I don't know. I don't think it's the craziest idea. I really don't. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I, I could see I, – in a perfect world, I want Makai Becton to succeed. I'm a big Makai Becton fan, but – I agree. I mean, if the offer's on the table and we could go get a guy like Evan Neal, or I'm a big Ecamm fan out of uh, NC State, yep. I mean, those guys, they could be just as good for us. And I mean, if Makai Becton doesn't want it and he shows out of, up to camp out of shape, just like he did uh, with the injury, I, I don't want him on the team. I, 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 want, I want guys who want to be here, guys who want to work hard. And I love Makai Becton, but if he doesn't, if he doesn't want to follow through with that, I, we're going to have to get rid of him, I guess. I, it's a big test. I don't know. It's just it's an unnecessary risk, in my opinion. Yeah, exactly. We don't need we don't need to wait for him. So let's just say he shows up to camp out of shape again. What are we doing here? Then we can't trade him. His value's out the window. That's two straight years in a row. He's not in shape and he's not ready to play. Nobody's gonna trade for him. So right now, if the value's there and we have the luxury of finding his replacement, I think it's just something you have to entertain. Thing is, I don't think his value is like it's still low right now. Like, I don't he think was a franchise. He was a franchise tackle after year one, you know. I, I don't yeah. think it's as low as people. There's a team out there that probably thinks they can get his weight under control. I I'm pretty confident in that a good team. You think of teams with a quarterback that desperately need a left tackle. You think of Arizona; they could use a tackle. You think of even later on, it just kind of stinks now that the Bengals are going to be picking. 31st or 32nd, but that was the ideal landing spot for me all along for Makai Becton. But teams like that that are a left tackle away, that think they're that next offensive lineman away from having that elite dynasty-level offense, I think they swing a first-round pick. First-round picks don't really mean a lot to quality teams and playoff contentions. It means a lot to us because we're rebuilding, but I, I think the value will be there for him. Yeah, I mean, we, we've certainly seen his ceiling. I mean, in his rookie year, he was arguably one of the best left tackles in football. And that, we knew the risk when we were drafting him. We knew the prospects we were getting, and we knew he was a great player, but there was obviously risk with the, his weight and his injuries and stuff like that. 
and you know we're kind of paying the price right now and we have a tough decision to make per- personally i'm not 100 percent for trading him but i could see where you're coming from and i wouldn't be surprised if they do and the two tackles at four definitely makes sense because they can kick in the guard but then are, are you going to spend a top five pick on a guard but at, i actually both have that flexibility yeah I mean, moving like talking about the guard conversation as well, the like versatility on the offensive line is so important. So like a guy like Evan Neal, he could play tackle or guard. And as we know, we get hit with all the injuries in the world. So knowing our luck, Evan Neal will probably have to play tackle if he's on the team eventually. So that versatility is so valuable. And that's why I wouldn't be against taking like a guard slash tackle in the top five. Listen, I, I think I would be on board with taking a tackle and Tyler Linderbaum at 10, to be completely honest with you. I am all about shoring up that offensive line. I, to me, offensive lines, I don't care what the Bengals are doing this all. I don't know. There's not a Jamar Chase coming through the Jets, Jets door, and a lot of teams don't get a Jamar Chase too often to cover up the flaws on an offensive line. So, to me, offensive lines win championships. And we saw it last year in last year's Super Bowl that an offensive line cost the Chiefs a championship because they couldn't protect Patrick Mahomes against the Bucks. So just moving on a little bit here, I would like to discuss the overall top two picks that the Jets have. So at four, you're pretty content on going with the tackle, it sounds like. I don't know. I don't want to put words in your mouth. Yeah. I mean, start off in the whole draft process, I was a huge Kyle Hamilton guy. You know, I loved him as a prospect, but (laughs) I'm not a Kyle Hamilton guy anymore. I I really put some thought into it, and I was like, you know what? The value's not really there. And I put myself in Joe, Douglas just, Joe Douglas's shoes, and I'm like, there's no way he takes a safety. He, he, he's taking secondary, like, rounds, like, four at the earliest, more like rounds five and six. So, and then I started looking at the tackles and the guards. I, had, I figured Evan Neal would be off the board. But then, you know, I really started watching a lot of Ekem, and he's got great versatility. I, I think he projects more as a guard, but he can play tackle. And I think he'd be a great addition. And he really feels like a Joe Douglas pick at four. I don't know about what you guys feel about him. I agree. I definitely like him too, yeah. I I like Charles Cross too, to be completely honest with you, at a Mississippi State. Yeah, I mean, I could see Charles Cross being a top 10 pick as well, maybe to a team like the Giants. But I I see Ekem going at four more likely. Yeah, you're right, though. That top 10, there's a lot of offensive line needy teams out there. You have the Giants that need just about every position on the offensive line. Carolina, same boat. Matt Rule did say that they need to make more of an effort to shore up the offensive line. And you can never have too good of an offensive line in the National Football League. So I think that's a great shout there. Um, so we're, we're pretty much on the same page. With, at four, with four, it sounds like offensive line. If the pass rushers are gone, I assume we don't even need to discuss if Kayvon Thibodeau by some yeah. – miracle is available at four if he's there run the card to the commissioner right away <laughs> great great yeah it's feeling more and more impossible that could happen and it <laughs> happens to it happens yeah. to us too bro you know it yeah, it's an optimistic out, time <laughs> yeah it does kind of stink though with Makai because that kind of what i think i feel like a lot of the fans loyalty with Makai beckton is that he was that first joe douglas pick the new era of jets football he had a great attitude coming in and a lot of fans are very tired of trading first-round picks with Jamal Adams, especially in the same offseason. So they were kind of hoping that this one would be different, but we just need to come to terms that not every single one of our first-round picks is as good as we think. Hopefully last year it sets a different tone, but I don't know. Yeah. You know, I, it sucks because, like, I see fans, like, always talking about wanting to trade these guys, but 
you know, I, I like a guy like maybe like Quentin Williams, just like on a side note, but like, I want to keep the talent in the building. You know, I, I want to make guys want to be here. I'm like, guys want to stay here for like second and third contracts and stuff like that. I would pay Quentin Williams just for the record. And I was not the biggest fan after his rookie year. If you uh, want to go back and replay the tapes around here, <laughs> uh, just moving on to the 10th overall pick. So tackle, then what? We have wide so, receiver. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I, I'm actually a huge Traylon Burks fan. Mm-hmm. I, listen, I know Garrett Wilson's a great prospect, and obviously we could go other positions than wide receiver, but I'm pretty focused on a wide receiver as long as we don't like go get someone in free agency that's like a wide receiver one. But looking at a guy like Traylon Burks, you know, he's got great size at 6'3". He can play on the outside, the slot, out of the backfield. You know, he's kind of that Swiss Army knife. We, we get some size in that receiving room, with we, which we may lack with guys like Elijah Moore and Braxton Berrios. And, you know, he's just like an athlete and someone that Mike LaFleur can really have like a, a good time with, like just drawing up plays for and really helping out Zach Wilson because uh, I, I want to see Zach Wilson take that year two leap that Sam Darnold never took. And we really have to put all of our – we have to invest into Zach Wilson with these two picks, I believe. I'm a, I'm a big fan of – Burks as well it's just it's just such a tough year for the wide receiver board because like everyone has a different number one but I think Burks would be a really good fit he has the size he has the speed his hands are huge I I I would love that pick if the me personally I don't think the Jets solve their number one wide receiver need through the draft I think that in some shape or form a veteran at the bare minimum borderline number one wide receiver is available whether that be trade or free agency, particularly Amari Cooper. Uh, if you want to go the free agent route, if Dallas decides to cut him, I don't think it's Allen Robinson. But if you look around the league, there's Mike Thomas from New Orleans. There's Adam Thielen. There's maybe even DK Metcalf, Calvin Ridley. I think one of those guys is on a different team, and I think Joe Douglas would be pretty active. But if they did go in the draft and draft the wide receiver, yes, I agree. Burks, me personally, that is my guy with the speed, the versatility, which you alluded to. and the, He kind of fits that mold of – like the Debo Samuel, so to say, get the ball in his hand, see what he could do. He's big. You can, I don't know if you can play him at running back, but that's just the guy. That's another weapon. And obviously it's a bigger receiver. So I agree there. Um, but if Burks is gone and let's just say, who's another high receiver, like a Drake London, it's another Garrett bigger Wilson, receiver. Maybe. Garrett like that. Wilson. That, that guy kind of concerns me a little bit, man. I'm not a big fan of guys that have drop issues coming out of college. I don't know. What are you, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, I see him as a like a good, well-rounded prospect. I like his route running. I like his speed. But the drop, drop issues definitely do concern me, and we've had our fair share of drop issues this year. Oh, yes. So, I mean, he, he's definitely not – he's more my wide receiver 2-3 on the board. Like you mentioned, Drake London. I do like Drake London as well. I mean, there is the separation issues, and he's kind of like similar separation issues to a guy like Corey Davis that Corey Davis had this past year. So, you know, I'm kind of torn between wide receiver two and three for both those guys, but I don't know about where you have them ranked. Yeah. You made this point a few a few weeks ago too, Jake. I want like a wide receiver one, like a veteran to step in. Like that's a preferred route because we need someone to step in and be that guy on day one for Zach. And with first round wide receiver, it's not, it's not guaranteed on day one they're going to step in and be a beast. My last two cents on the wide receiver position, if Michael Thomas becomes available, I don't care what anybody tells me. I think he has football left in him, and I think he's a stud. I think he's a great, dominant, over-the-middle wide receiver. True alpha, that's, that's my preferred route. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of people may have for, may have forgot about him and stuff like that. But uh, honestly, when he's on the field, like he's like a top five talent. Uh, I would say. I mean, and I don't know how. <laughs> yeah, he's he's great. I mean, he he's like the ideal guy. But you also mentioned a guy like Mari Cooper. I think would be awesome. I think he's a quarterback's best friend great route runner, you know, he's a veteran, he's savvy, knows how to get open, he finds space, and I think that would be perfect for a guy like Zach Wilson trying to develop in year two. And outside of those top talked-about wide receivers, just a little bit of, not really a sleeper, but maybe late, he maybe goes late round one, kind of reminds me a little bit of how Elijah Moore was last year throughout the draft process. Jahan Dotson, Penn State, going to be a stud, guaranteed, just kind of sucks because it's another slot type of receiver. We already have that with Elijah Moore, but I wouldn't be upset. I think that guy is going to be – I watch a lot of Penn State games over the years, and that guy is yeah. – that guy's a special talent. Yeah, he's legit. I've watched him a bunch in college as well. Uh, I was going to offer an interesting scenario for you guys at 10. What, what would you – would you mind taking Kyle Hamilton if he fell to 10, or are you completely against it? I would, I would prefer not to, to be honest. It's still too high for his safety, in my opinion. Yes, I just – I can't get behind it, man. I really can't. We just traded away a safety to build on offense and premium defensive positions, and not for me. If they don't go with a wide receiver, I'm going to say it again. I will say it another 30,000 times this offseason. Tyler Linderbaum. It's just – you can't go wrong, in my opinion, with him. I'm, I'm a big Linderbaum fan myself. I mean, I, I see him as, like, he's like an all-pro caliber center, like, almost immediately. He's – definitely pro ready you see him I mean he he's definitely a stud and I know there are also people that are against like taking a center that high but my argument against that is like he's going to instantly help Zach Wilson and I, I think that positional value aside if you get, get bring someone in the building that's an all pro caliber player to instantly help Zach Wilson sign me up and it seems like he's like the most sure thing in the whole draft like yeah he plays center but it, it seems like he's a lock to be a very very good player Thank you. That was exactly what I was going to say, because if you really think about it, he seems like a generational talent. Connor Rogers, who I follow a lot. I don't really follow a lot of these draft guys. Connor Rogers is one of them from, from uh, Bleacher Report, big Jets fan. He said that Tyler Linderbaum is the best center he's ever scouted. And to me, that goes a long way. So to me, that says generational talent. And I think the Jets can use a generational talent. And you think back to the draft, I bring it up all the time. The Quentin Nelson draft class with Darnold, Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, all those guys. Was that – you think the Colts are kicking themselves for taking Quentin Nelson because he plays interior offensive line? I don't think so. Exactly. And also looking at Joe Douglas's past draft, he takes a guy like Elijah Vera Tucker who is similar in the way where they're just about – like they have the highest floor in the whole draft. Like going back to the draft process last year, everyone – a lot of people saw Elijah Vera Tucker, Elijah Vera Tucker as the most sure thing in the draft. And I see Tyler Linderbaum the same way. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if Joe Douglas goes and builds the offensive line in the trenches. Now, you brought up Hamilton. Let me bring up another scenario. I'm not too sure about the cornerback draft order. It seems like the top two consensus guys are Stingley out of LSU. I have a very big – a big slogan of mine is hurt in college, hurt in the pros. I'm not a big fan of all that. But maybe at 10, you can kind of talk me into it. Sauce Gardner at 10. Too high. You'd think they don't need a corner that high. What are your thoughts there potentially addressing the cornerback position? And maybe it could be addressed in the offseason before. 
Yeah, if I'm being honest, I don't see Joe Douglas touching any corner cornerbacks in round one. Just knowing his draft strategy, I, I don't really see him doing it. I see him either loading up more on some younger guys in like the later rounds on day two and three, or I think the more likely route, I think he goes out and gets a veteran. I know he didn't want to get the veteran last year because he wanted the young guys like Eccles to play. But I think a veteran at this stage, because the rookies already got a lot of development last year, bring in the veteran, let them, you know, you know, let them get some reps, you know, bring good experience to the room. And I think it'll really help with the younger guys' development, uh, younger guys' developments now after they have some experience under their belt. So I don't really see them going corner in the top 10, especially because a guy like Stingley, who seems to be everyone's, you know, cornerback one, obviously Sauce Gardner as well, but he's got major injury issues and I just don't see Joe Douglas pulling the trigger. I can't, I can't see Joe going secondary in the first round. Maybe if he trade back from 10, which I think that that's, that's very possible too. A lot of people bring up trade back. It's like, you can't just trade back just to trade back. Yeah. It, if that it, makes sense. The deal it depends how the board falls and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, in an ideal tr- world, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I was going to say a trade back scenario could be in place though at 10, obviously, because depending on the corner quarterbacks fall, you know, pick 10, someone might try to jump a team like Washington right around that area. So it could be a reality. I personally think a lot of the stuff with the quarterbacks is a load of crap right now. I, I'm sorry, but you look at the top 10, you go down the line, Detroit, Houston, they don't need a quarterback, Denver, Washington football team at 11, I guess. I mean, that's outside of the top 10, but there's about four or five teams, man, in that top 15 that desperately need a quarterback. You're telling me not one. Well, this is such a bad quarterback class. It doesn't matter. It's supply and demand in the National Football League. So I, I definitely like that point, the teams potentially trading up for quarterbacks. Um, but the guy that at corner, though, I, I want to hear what you have to think about this. I said this, uh, I think it was last week or maybe the week before. To me, the guy that solves the cornerback position need, especially that true number one shutdown corner, is Stephon Gilmore. Kind of like that Richard Sherman type role that he had on Salah's defense the year the Niners went to the Super Bowl. I think that's the kind of corner that the Jets need. I think they have plenty of guys with upside. They have Bryce Hall, Brandon Eccles, Michael Carter II in that nickel role, Isaiah Dunn, who they like a lot. It's just they need that true veteran, can get his hands on a couple interceptions, leadership type of guy. And to me, Gilmore fits the mold, and we have the cap space to swing it. Yeah, I mean, he definitely has the talent, and I wouldn't be against it at all. I'm not too – is he a free agent right now, or is he, he still with Carolina? He will be an impending free agent. I mean, if the money's right, and, you know, we certainly have the money to afford a guy like Gilmore, I wouldn't be opposed from, by it at all, especially it might help with someone like Bryce Hall's development. Bryce Hall hasn't really been a great ball-hawking corner in his career, and I think if he becomes a good ball-hawking corner, he could really take that next step, so – Maybe Stefan Gilmore can help with that as well. And, you know, I think he would be a great addition to the room. Yeah, we're so young, so he's like the perfect fit, man. He really is. You know who seems to be a popular Jets Twitter draft crush? I hear about this guy all the time, man. This Trey McBride out of Colorado State. And obviously the Jets tight end at the chart is bad, putting it kindly. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on potentially – I don't know if you, I don't think you'd have to trade back into the first round to get McBride. It sounds like he's a little bit undersized, so he probably will be there at the top of round two, potentially going with McBride and another rookie in this draft class, or maybe McBride and a veteran. Or what are you guys' thoughts on potentially doing that for this tight end group that obviously needs a lot of work? Yeah, um, my philosophy with the offseason is the Jets must add two quality tight ends 
whether it's two through the draft, one through free agency, one through the draft, I feel like it's a must. And every mock draft I've ever, every mock draft, mock draft I've ever done, I've mocked Trey McBride to the Jets at 35. I think that's a must pick, like a must do pick. He's got so much talent. He put up the production at Colorado State. He's been playing really well at the Senior Bowl practices so far. Uh, I feel like it's a no-brainer just to get that safety blanket for Zach Wilson. And then you also look later in the draft, you have guys like Kohler, Ruckert, you know, guys of great talent who can maybe get in rounds three and four. So whatever we do, I, I see the Jets getting two tight ends. You also look in free agency, you guys, you, uh, you see a guy like uh, Dalton Schultz. Obviously, he's a top talent. He's going to cost a lot of money, but you know, I, I feel like we have to put a lot of investment into this tight end room, and I feel like we have to get two tight ends walking out of the offseason. Yeah, two is definitely a must for me as well, and McBride just makes so much sense at the top of the second. I, I hope he lands there, but Jets Nation has been wrong about like a lot of things with draft, with draft crushes, so we'll see what happens. I got to be honest with you, the Jets draft Twitter – was pretty spot on. I feel like a lot of people liked Elijah Vera Tucker last year leading up to the draft. I feel like a lot of people, including myself, were very high on Michael Carter before the draft and as well as Elijah Moore. So who knows? Maybe last year sets the tone for this year. And I think McBride does make a ton of sense. And obviously the Jets have the up close and personal look at him at the senior bowl this week with Robert Sala and his staff coaching the, I don't know if it's American or whatever team, but the team Trey McBride is on. And uh, to me, it's, it does sound a little enticing to, to walk away with two tight ends via the draft. And you could just sign one of these veteran free agents, but you kind of know what they are at this point. I guess some of them have a little bit more upside. But to me, if you propose the, the option of, hey, you can get Trey McBride in the second round and Jeremy Ruckert in the fourth round, I'm pretty damn excited with that. I think I'd rather have two tight ends and let's just say like a tight end and like a developmental corner. You know what I'm saying? And, and with this offense, they run a lot of two tight end sets, and Sean brought this up. We were trying to run two tight end sets with Tyler Croft and Ryan Griffin. That, that's just not going to work. So, And we love the, the 6-3 run. 6-3-1 uh, runs deep, man, and we support our own. And Jeremy Ruckert has a story there. Just saying. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think it would be a cool, uh, cool aspect to have two rookie tight ends in the same draft class coming in and running those two tight end sets. And I, I love Ruckert. I mean, I know he was a Jets fan growing up as well. So I feel like it would be a cool story. I feel like he would definitely want to be here. And I think he would embrace uh, helping out Zach Wilson. So free agency is just around the corner. And obviously that comes first before the draft. In your opinion, who are the first calls that the Jets make? Uh I mean, I know we just talked about tight ends. If Dalton Schultz is available, go get Dalton Schultz. He, he's a stud. And I, I could see him helping out Zach Wilson's development a lot. Moving on to like more of the defensive side of the ball, Marcus Williams, a safety from the Saints. I really like him. A lot of people like him uh, on Jets Twitter. I think he would be a great addition to the defense rather than spending a, a draft pick on someone on, a, on the safety position who not a lot of people think has value. I definitely agree. We're, we're fans of those two players as well. There's Justin Reed out there. There's Bates, safety from the Bengals. So there's going to be a lot of options, but – those those two positions, I definitely agree with. I just think Schultz prices himself out of the Jets' range. I can't see Joe Douglas spending that money on a tight end. Hopefully I'm wrong because I really do like the player. But Justin Reed, I think, makes a ton of sense. And I think Marcus Williams might be another player that the Jets kind of get priced out on. If that makes sense, he's probably going to command top dollar. And Justin Reed coming off a little bit of a down year with the Houston Texans maybe wants to take a little bit 
of a more short-term deal to get his value back up. That makes sense there. I love Stefan Gilmore. I've said it plenty of times. And to be completely honest with you, a lot of people like to bring up the draft to find that change of pace running back to Michael Carter. I think there's plenty of options out there in the uh, free agency class. And we, we've talked about it on here. Somebody here, I'm not going to name names, is a big fan of uh, Ronnie Jones from Tampa Bay. <laughs> others, others aren't. So well, what are your thoughts on maybe this, this running back position? What are your thoughts on potentially signing one or drafting one? Yeah, I 100% agree with the fact that we need a change of pace running back. Tevin Coleman did a good job this year. I don't, I don't see him really sticking around. He's aging. Maybe they do bring him back. But you look at a guy, maybe like a Raheem Mostert. I know he's got a lot of injury issues, but he knows the scheme coming from uh, San Francisco. He's, he's got great speed. You know, I think he would compliment Michael Carter really well. And he's probably my top guy. I haven't really done too much research on the free agent running backs, but if I had to go with the guy, I really like Raheem Moster and his speed. I really like who our good friend Joe brought up last week, the BYU running back. I'm not sure where he's getting mocked right now, but I think he'd be a good fit. Yeah. So Ronald Jones, is that a thing of the past or are we? Oh, I would love Ronnie. Ronnie's not going to cost a lot, and his name just gets dirt thrown on it all over the league. He's a quality player. His hands, not the greatest, but we'll see. Well, we already have a player like that on this roster with Ty Johnson. and He will be getting cut, mark my words. You think he I, – I, I think he gets cut. I have a weird feeling that he somehow sticks around. I hope not. Somehow. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if he got cut. Somehow, just as long as he's not on the field on third downs. Because to be honest with you, I think he's a decent early down back. I think he has no business being on the field on third downs. He's a horrific blitz pickup running back. He doesn't block on the right side ever. And his hands are horrible. So he doesn't do anything well to be on the field on third down. And yet he was the de facto third down back for the Jets. And Michael Carter, who's a great pass catcher, wasn't on the field all three downs. Yeah, I mean, to touch on that point, I also see Michael Carter as like a, a pretty good run blo- uh, pass blocker. I mean, nothing like out of this world, but I think he's serviceable. He's definitely better than Ty Johnson in that category. Yeah, I mean, when you're coming from nothing, that makes you something, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we definitely need to look a solid balance between Michael Carter, the smaller pass catching back into like a bigger bruiser type of back. Yeah, I brought this up. It's a shame that A.J. Dillon isn't in this draft class. To me, mm-hmm. a type of guy like that would be the way I'd go. And they do – I think – they can't have a one-dimensional running back. And Dillon's evolved as a pass catcher. That's gotten him on the field a lot more in Green Bay. In this offense, you have to be able to catch passes. You have to. Or else it, it's just not going to work out for you there. Uh, moving on here. So, Christian, what else is on your mind, man? You know, I'm trying to think – I mean, what are you guys' thoughts on the Senior Bowl and stuff like that? Have you guys been checking out the practices or anything? Yep, I'll watch the game on Saturday. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be watching the game. I know they're televising the practice as well. I think it's tomorrow, so, you know, it should be interesting to see. Sean K., you watching it all? or I will be working? watching on Saturday. I'll be watching Saturday. I, w- I work from yeah. the couch, so I'll probably turn the practice on tomorrow. Yeah, that's interesting. But to be honest with you, I think it is rather interesting how – we see these reports about who the Jets are spending a lot of time with. Uh, I forgot who the tackle was today. It was like Trevor uh, Fergus. No, Trevor uh, Penning. Oh, Trevor Penning, yeah. Yep. The NIU guy. Yep, that was the big guy today that they seem to be spending a lot of time with, and we definitely trust our friends over at U Stadium's analysis and reporting. 
Apparently, Joe Douglas's big draft day crush from the Senior Bowl today, obviously he wasn't in the Senior Bowl, is wide receiver Drake London out of USC. Caught me a little bit by surprise there. Um, but, hey, we need weapons. And So what exactly – who are you looking for to really shine this weekend to potentially be our Debo Samuel, who the 49ers staff fell in love with all those years ago, and look how that's worked out. Well, I mean, I would hope the Jets uh, coaching staff falls in love with Trey McBride, obviously. That would be great. I think he would be great for the team. But also looking at some other prospects I think they could be interested in, maybe like a Zion Johnson. I'm a big Zion Johnson guy. I, I, I'm a big Boston College football fan. So, you know, I've been watching him for a while, past couple of years, and I think he has a lot of skill at guard. I think he's probably – I would call him like a top two guard in this draft. I think he has great footwork, and I can really see Joe Douglas falling in love with him maybe taking him in that pick 35, 38 range. I would love a guy like Zion in the, in the second round because we've been spending all these picks on first-round talents on, on the offensive line. So it would be nice if Douglas could find even like a third-round guy that could be a starter on the line. But Jermaine Johnson is a guy that seems to be lighting it up too, and we obviously need edge. Jermaine Johnson's a good shout. Very good shout there. And to me, though – it's just funny because everybody loves this Trey McBride guy, man. It is I've never I've honestly never really seen such an agreement on a prospect from so many of our fans. It's just it's weird to see. There's usually a big controversy. It's too early to take a tight end. Well, he's under. You don't see any of that. It's just Trey McBride come be our savior. And you good shout though by Jermaine Johnson. That was the guy that I was looking at. How about Hassan Haskins isn't going from Michigan, right? I heard that he opted out the running back at a Michigan from Michigan. I believe he did. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I'm pretty sure I saw that. See, that was another one, a little bit of a bigger back. Could kind of be a nice change of pace guy. I think they're going to be looking at these running backs a lot, but from the tight end room, I believe Charlie Kohler's going too, right? From Iowa state. Yeah. The tight end room's loaded over there. They have Ruckert's down there. Kohler. Um, I think likely from uh, coastal Carolina's down there as well. I'm glad you brought up Likely. I don't know if you guys have read Daniel Jeremiah's top 50 players. I don't know if you guys have. I have not. I saw them, yeah. Likely's on there. He's in the top 50. Yeah, I mean, Likely's a very talented guy. I wouldn't be surprised if the Jets took a look at him right around that round, like, three, four range. Yeah, Yeah, Jeremiah has, like, I think it's, like, seven edges in, like, the top 25 or something like that. He has a lot of edges up there. And three wide receivers in the top 15. Yeah. Which is interesting. That kind of drifts away from the general consensus about this draft class, to be completely honest with you, from what we've seen so far from other guys. Who, who did he have in there? Burks, Wilson, and London? Yeah. Back – I think he – did he – All he might have back to back to back, he, yeah. He might, he might have had Drake London ahead of Garrett Wilson. I don't want to quote him on that, but he those three were back to back to back. Yeah, I mean, I love Drake London. I think Drake London is a great prospect. I, I just don't see him as a fit for the Jets, to be honest. Yeah, you know, I'm, Drake, not, a, yeah. I'm not a big fan of London either. I mean, a lot of people say he reminds me of reminds them of Mike Evans, which, interestingly enough, I mean, Tampa Bay is in salary cap hell over there, and Tom Brady's not walking back through that door. Oh, really upset about that one. Tom Brady's <laughs> gone and out of our lives forever. But, um. Mike Evans potentially become available too. I just want to throw it out there. That right there is a number one wide receiver. I don't care what offense we're running here. That's a number one wide receiver. And if a guy is getting compared to that, I'm okay with having a Mike Evans in this offense. 
Yeah, I mean, Mike Evans is a great player. I think it was eight seasons with eight straight seasons with the, over a thousand yards. I mean, great red Unheard zone of. threat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he would be he would be an awesome addition. Also, look at a guy like Chris Godwin, maybe from Tampa Bay. And you like Godwin? Another guy that could be selling. I'm a Godwin fan. How how long is he out until estimated? It's a weird injury, man. I feel like some people take like Burrow tore his ACL around like the same time last year, right? And he was back yeah. at the start of the season. So yeah, I'm not too sure to be honest. Same thing with Jamison Williams. I would love. I think he still goes in the first, but I would love to, to take a stab on him too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've I've seen like, but from what doctors have said, they don't really expect him to lose any of his speed. So, I mean, if he, I could see him falling, and someone's gonna get really lucky if he if he hits and stays healthy. That injury. He's gonna go sucked. to like. He's gonna go to the Chiefs and just light it up there. Watch. It yeah. just sucks because that to me looked like the wide receiver number one, like the consensus guy that everybody had who you can justify taking maybe even as early as the fourth overall pick. Who knows? It's obviously an irrelevant conversation now, but that sucked. He was like the closest thing to a Jamar Chase in this year's draft from last year's draft, and obviously it's not happening now unless we trade back or he slips to the second yeah, round. He, he was my lock at pick 10. I mean, watching the national championship game, seeing him going down, it, it was tough to see. Another interesting note about Daniel Jeremiah's top 50 players, he has Kayvon Thibodeau as his sixth-ranked player. Interesting. I mean, if other teams see it that way too, I'll gladly take him at four. Man. We got to manifest it, boys. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Listen, I, I could go through the Jets drafts off the top of my head. They got lucky, I think, with Elijah Farrah Tucker. I don't think they reached on him. I thought there was a chance the Giants can draft him last year from where they were picking before they traded back. They got lucky with Jamal at, well, obviously not lucky. We know how that ended and that what a disaster that was. But at the time they got lucky with Jamal Adams. He fell to them when nobody thought that. And even Sam, everybody thought Sam was going number one the whole time. And maybe even the giants can take him at number two. And there he was at number three. So this thing seems to happen to the jets and maybe last year to a lesser extent, Elijah Moore in the second round consensus first round pick. So this type of thing seems to happen. Hasn't always worked out. Maybe sometime it does work out. Who knows? Uh, I would be ecstatic if if the Jets got Thibodeau at four. I mean, I could see Jets Twitter like blowing up. It would be it would be huge. I think we just need we just need a terrible combine from him. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we need just, something. Just picturing him next to Carl Lawson. I mean, that's that would be awesome. Yeah, what are your expectations for Lawson? I know we, we are running like a little bit short on time here. We got a little bit more time. What, what are your expectations for Lawson in, uh, going into next season? You know, the, the Achilles injury is tough to judge. A lot of people react differently depending on position. But, you know, I, I see him just from watching like one Jets drive and stuff. I see him as a hard worker. And I, I think he gets back to some sort of shape. And I could see him still being the guy that we paid all that money for. You know, maybe double – I think double-digit sacks, I would hope if he stays healthy. I would do a dance, double-digit sacks. We had two <laughs> – our leading edge rusher last year in terms of sacks had two. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, just like seeing him in person at Jets training camp and the limited action that from like the preseason, just like his jump off the line, I hope he doesn't lose that too much of the Achilles injury. Like you could really tell he's a standout player. And I, I think in this scheme, there, I, I think I could see him getting double-digit sacks. I would, I would love n nothing more than him to, to come back right. But 
little side note, hard knocks. The Jets are an option. What are our thoughts on that, boys? Nah, I think the Lions steal the show there. I don't think there's much of a decision to make if you're the editors. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Dan Campbell. I was gonna, yeah, I mean, the Lions are like America's team. With Dan Campbell, I feel like everyone loves him. But I think we would definitely be really interesting. There's a lot of storylines with us. Yeah, but, it you know, sucks. One of, one of our good buddies is a Lions fan, and he's like insufferable. <laughs> shout out just, gabby baby yeah no yeah, <laughs> it's it really is insufferable so hopefully that doesn't happen for our sakes i know i think the giants were the other team mentioned too for hard knocks right it was jets giants well, and Lions. they they got the new coach so they can't oh they can't okay oh, yeah it's very limited i, I think it's three it might, teams though. i, don't I know think it's team. us the lions and the panthers Oh, well, maybe oh, every maybe everyone wants a behind the scenes looks at the genius Matt Rule. Everybody yeah. tried. Everybody tried telling me I didn't know what I was talking about when I didn't want Matt Rule to be the coach. I can never talk bad about the almighty Matt Rule. And I mean, yeah, in a way, it makes me uh, almost thankful for Adam Gase because we dodged Matt Rule, and I think we have a great coach in Robert Sala right now. He's, he definitely uh, he definitely sees the future. I I saw that theory on online somewhere. Like signing Gase was like the perfect thing that happened to the Jets because because where we are now. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's a weird way to look at it, but if you yeah. got to take a positive from it, uh, I would think it's that. Just a really off-topic note here. I don't even think Adam Gase is the worst coach I've ever seen for the Jets, to be completely honest with you. I thought Todd Bowles was night and day worse than him. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't, it's a tough conversation. But he I mean, was they brutal. They definitely had the similar, like, passive coaching style. I mean, I yeah, I mean, the, we, we want to leave those days behind us, but – Todd Bowles was a brutal coach. Just going to leave it there. So I also Christian, wonder if Adam was a uh, – like Brian Flores offered any money to, you know, Adam, we, we need these games to lose. And then Greg Williams, he dials up the blitz. Just a thought. <laughs> no, no, I mean, I all that, but that, that's all wild, man. So, Christian, it was a pleasure having you on, man. Do you just want to remind our listeners one more time where they can find you and uh, all your yeah. Jets insight? Yeah, thanks. It was a pleasure. So you could find me on YouTube. Uh, I'm called The Jets Report. And on Twitter, I'm at Jets underscore CP. And, you know, I, I post some content. I tweet all the time. And, you know, I just love Jets football, and I'm a diehard fan. Oh, it was great having you on. We hope to have you back on before the start of the season, maybe around the draft time, maybe after free agency to talk about the lead-up to the draft. We're always looking to have people on. And we're, we're, we're batting two for three. It's about a 750 batting average right now. We Our first uh, fan was a, a great guy, but it didn't go the, uh, <laughs> the smoothest with the inside, but that's okay. We we love everybody here. Uh, the second guy, very good. And this was also very good. So congratulations, Christian. You're you're passing the, uh, the ear test. <laughs> yeah, thank you. It was awesome. And I'll definitely come back. I love talking to you guys. All right. And uh, we'll talk to everybody next week. As I said before, Lorenzo will join us. And everybody stay safe out there. And as always... Go Jets. Yeah, go Jets. Thank you.